about kindness and the other fruits of the Spirit, a lot of times we try to bootstrap that. We try to do it in and of ourselves. Even as adults, we try to do it in and of ourselves. Whereas um, those things are really a work of the Spirit in our lives. We cannot do it ourselves. So when we lean into the Spirit and to what He's growing in us, then we have the power to be kind in hard situations. Educator and author Tara Cole is a woman on a mission. She's determined to teach a generation of women how to pray for their children during the school years. Tara's passion is strong and her heart is resolute. She reminds moms in every season of life that God loves our children more than we do and that He has absolute control. Welcome to the Significant Women Podcast. I'm your host, Carol McLeod. I hope that you'll join me every week for stirring conversations with other women about what it means to live a significant life at our moment in history. You know, what I'm discovering is that it's not as hard to live significantly as I once thought. In my heart and mind, when I think of a significant woman, I think of Ruth Bell Graham, the beloved wife of the evangelist Billy Graham. This quote by Ruth has always gone to the deepest places in me. This is what Ruth has said. Down through the years, I turned to the Bible and found in it all I needed. I can say yes and amen to that quote by one of my heroines of the faith. As followers of Christ, my friend, there's no end of the significance that we can embrace when we simply live our lives according to the Word of God. Well, let me tell you more about my guest today, Tara Cole. She has recently written a book titled Everyday Prayers for the School Year. She's part of an initiative led by the Million Praying Moms Organization to remind mothers of the power that is theirs when they spend time on their knees in prayer, in determined prayer, in daily prayer. Tara is a teacher, a wife, and the mom to three active boys. I know that you will never be the same and your prayer life won't be the same after hearing Tara's story and her passion for prayer. Well, Tara, you are in what I like to call the trenches of motherhood. <laughs> so you're juggling kids and peanut butter sandwiches and science fair projects and all of the above, aren't you? Yes, we are quite busy with all those things. <laughs> so tell us about your family. Tell us about your kids and their ages and, and what you're involved in right now. All right. Well, my husband and I have been married for just over 20 years, and we have three sons in seventh, sixth, and third grade. So we're into all the things like band and swimming and karate. Um, I really try to limit them to one activity. I say that requires my wheels. So if it requires my tires to get there, they can do one thing. If they can do it while they're at school, then I don't care. Um, but yes, they are involved in all the things. And we are just at the cusp of the band starting. So I hear it gets much, much busier as they hit high school. So kind of preparing myself for that. <laughs> so you live in a home of all guys. I all do. Men. Yeah. How's that going for you? As my, my sister said recently, she's like, I don't even know who you are anymore. Because um, 
I started out, I wasn't, I wouldn't see myself as a prissy, glittery girl, but I mean, I'm a girl's girl. I like coffee and quilting and all those things. But um, yes, I have also very much learned to appreciate Legos and all things um, Marvel Universe and um, dirt. And I'm no longer scared of bugs and things like that, like I was growing up. So um, being a boy mom will change you. It'll change your likes and make you a little bit less screechy <laughs> at things that girls usually don't like. I the blood like does not bother me anymore. I don't freak out. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> a little less screechy. That, that's yes. a great line. That's a great The first line. time my son handed me a bug, he had held out his hands. Mom, I have something for you. And he's like two or three. And so uh -huh. I was like, oh, I reached out my hand and he dropped a dead bug into my hand. I was like, ah! <laughs> and so then um, now I turn their hands over gently and let them open their hand to show me what's in it um, instead of just accepting freely whatever they give me because boy That's presents right. could be sweet or they could be kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. My, my grandsons were over a couple of weeks ago and we have a pond in our neighborhood and they came running back and they said, Marmy, Marmy, guess what we found at the pond? And it was a dead snake skin. Yeah. <laughs> I've got snake. one of those. <laughs> Boys. Yeah. Boys, yes. I you gotta love them. Yes, you do. But Tara, you're an amazing woman. You're doing incredible things for the kingdom of God. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But your life has not always been like roses and, and fields of daisies, um, quilting and cups of coffee. That, no. <laughs> that you've gone through some hard challenges in your life. So so tell us, tell us a little bit about your life journey and how you became the Tara that we see today. Well, um, I joke that I grew up, well, nowhere, because um, my family was gypsies. We moved from place to place to place. My uh, dad was a preacher. Um, and so by the time I was um, in high school, we had lived in like something like 12 cities. I had been to six school districts, all those things. And even though my dad was a preacher, and I'm finding this out more and more, um, it was a very uh, verbally, emotionally, and mentally abusive household. Um, now, as I'm learning, I can see where this is a generational issue. Um, but when you're living in the thick of it, it really just felt like I was in foxhole with my mom protecting my siblings behind me growing up. And so when I hit college, I had all the feelings um, that came along with that and that kind of trauma. My mom had started um, going to counseling while I was at home still, and she continued throughout my college years and encouraged all of us children to get counseling. Um, but it really hit hard when I was in college. And um, my parents even separated in, I think it was about early 2021, 20, um, or I'm sorry, 2000, 2001. Um, and that really hit me hard as well, because even though I knew it was a needed thing, divorce is never easy on kids, whether they are young or whether they are older. I've talked to children of divorce of all ages, and it's simply not easy, even if they're acting like they are fine. And so I remember still how painful that was on the inside and the pain that welled up in me from that. And it was like, I just wanted to feel it physically. So I would stand under hot showers just to feel physical pain and not the pain inside. 
And it came to such a head that even during college, I contemplated committing suicide. Um, I knew how I was going to do it. I knew where I was going to do it. I had it planned out. But it just felt like I God's arms just came and wrapped around me and kept me from hurting myself. And I really attribute that to um, the foundation of faith that my mom laid while I was growing up. Because even though we grew up in a little bit of a stricter church background, and as I talk to other denominations, I'm learning we were all strict in the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. um, but um, she really focused on helping us develop a relationship with Jesus and not a rules-based to-do list with Jesus. So she showed up for her um, quiet time with him every morning with coffee and with her Bible. And I didn't find out until years later. She only started that when I was like eight or nine. It felt like she'd done it all my life, but she had it. She had gone to a ladies' day and learned from someone and then had started developing that habit in her life over time. And her, um, she took literally the Deuteronomy verses about um, talk about it as you go along your way, paint it on the doorpost of your house. So our pencils and our T-shirts and our walls had um, scripture and references to Jesus on them. And she incorporated him into our days. And so that's really why I do what I do, because I know so many families are going through hard things. It may not be abuse, but a lot of us go through hidden traumas that we don't tell anybody about. And um, from my own experience, I know that when you lay that foundation of faith and when we take our children's anchors and dig them deep into Jesus and a relationship with him that's not built on the rules, rules are important, but Jesus wants our hearts. He doesn't want our checklist. Right. And so when we help them start to develop that type of relationship, I know it can see us through the rough to, roughest storms because it has in my life. And that's really my goal with this ministry and the books I write and the podcast is to help moms connect with Jesus so they can in turn help their children do the same. So your passion in this season of life is really helping moms keep their faith vibrant and alive so it can be passed to the next generation. Exactly. Because so often we say, well, I don't have time to do that. Quiet time in the morning isn't possible. And that seems to be the go-to for the last 30 years. And so we have all these, I have interruptions. I don't have time, all these things. But I really want to show moms by um, through emails and encouragement and even ideas on social media and things like that, that Jesus doesn't want to be one more thing on your to-do list. Mm. He really wants to permeate your days, to walk alongside you through that to-do list. And there are just small, easy changes you can make throughout your day to invite him into your day, to accept his invitation into your day. Instead of thinking, I have to make this block of time for 30 minutes in the morning. That's good if you have it. But like I was just telling you, I have three different drop-off times yeah, at three different yeah. locations right now in my children's lives. I have like five to 10 minutes some mornings to spend with Jesus sitting down with coffee. But there are many more opportunities throughout my day to um, abide in Him. And so I really want to show moms that it's possible even in the middle of their busy lives. And I love that, Tara, because now you have this ministry, and we're going to get to that in a minute, and the books that you write. But really, it was because you had a praying, faithful mom. And you mm -hmm. saw that when she was in a fire in life, when she was in a marriage storm, you just saw her faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And that just speaks volumes to me, and I'm sure to the other women and moms listening, that our faithfulness is going to impact generations to come. 
So I love that about your life. But, you know, I try to think the way my listeners are thinking. And so I have a, a maybe tender question for you right now. But what's your relationship like with your dad now? Um, to be honest, um, I am working through that because a lot yes. of times when you've been through trauma and abuse, you think I got this, I forgave the person and we're good. But um, to be honest, he is still in a unhealthy place. So I, on, I have not had contact with him for 11 and a half years mm -hmm. um, because there are times when we have gone through abuse and trauma and we've forgiven the person and they choose to change and we grow and change and we're able to come to a good relationship and have reconciliation. Um, quite honestly, we're not there yet. Um, I am still working through stuff on my end. It's not because of unforgiveness. It's simply because he's not yet a safe person. Yes. I hold out hope. And um, if someone's close to me listening to this is like, what? I will be happy to answer your questions if you have any questions about that or if your listeners have more questions about that. But um, I would love to say we're reconciled and everything's hunky-dory, but it quite frankly is not. Um, but I still hold out hope for reconciliation one of these days. Yeah. And Tara, I think that's important for you to say, because there are a lot of women who listen, who have been in dysfunctional relationships, whether mm -hmm. it's with their parents or with maybe in their marriage with siblings. And we're responsible for us. Mm -hmm. And we're responsible to be healthy in the Lord and therefore to be healthy moms and wives and sisters today. And so I love the fact that you can, in a very healthy way, say, we're not there yet, but I have hope. Mm -hmm. um, and that I've had to draw some boundaries in my life. Boundaries are often the healthiest thing you can do. Right. And a lot of times um, we feel the need because we're Christians. We're supposed to love everybody. Aren't we supposed to always be hunky-dory with everybody? But um, to those who are going through this, like I said, I will be happy to explain everything um, if sure. they want to contact me directly. But when you're in that type of, I'll just call it a unsafe relationship, yes. um, where you're trying your best to have a healthy relationship with healthy boundaries and it's just not happening, um, sometimes the most loving thing you can do is a reality check to stop pretending everything's okay like we did for 20 some odd years and to set up strong boundaries to say, this is the way I'm going to be treated. And if you choose not to do that, then I choose not to currently be in relationship with you. Um, I'm not doing it out of anger or um, unforgiveness, though. When you've been through trauma, you know, there you yes. still have stuff to work through. It takes a long time. Mm. But um, sometimes you have to make a safe choice. And I know in this season of life, I cannot be a good mom for my children and deal with that unsafe relationship. It's just, I can't have both. And so I am choosing the next generation and to pour into them and to continue to hold out hope. Um, but yeah, it was a really, really tough decision. Yeah. And, but um, I still feel after much prayer, it is the right decision at this in this season of life. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I applaud you for it. And you have a new assignment and it's these three young men that you're raising for the kingdom. And so to give your heart 
and your emotional energy to them is a very healthy thing to do. And, yep. and you stand in a place of hope, but you move ahead. I love it, Tara. So you're you're a pretty passionate woman about what God has called you to do. And um, you've recently written a new book titled Everyday Prayers for the School Year. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about your relationship with Million Praying Moms. Tell us what that organization is, what they do, and how you got connected with them. All right. So I am so excited. Um, Million Praying Moms basically at its core encourages you to make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. And what that means is that we pray God's word back to him. That has always been the heart of Brooke and Aaron's ministry from the very beginning. In the beginning, it was called the Mob Society, Mothers of Boys. And so that's how I got connected with it because um, 10 years ago, um, they started the Mob Society and I was a brand new boy mom and needed all kinds of help because I had <laughs> no idea. I had always expected to have girls. Um, I even joked with my husband, hey, we're going to have daughters because your brothers have only had daughters and there's one boy and he's twin to a girl, so it doesn't count. The bottom six grandchildren are all boys and three of them are mine. Um, so that's what I get for opening my big mouth. So <laughs> I was totally unprepared to be a boy mom. And so I discovered the Mob Society as a Christian-based organization. I was all in. And so I've been with Brooke and Aaron. Um, now Aaron has moved on to other things a couple years ago since the very beginning of their ministry as they began writing, or as Brooke began writing books and they began encouraging moms to pray over their children. About um, four or five years ago, they pivoted to million praying moms because they had so many moms say, well, I have daughters or I have sons and daughters. Um, can we write in a way that applies to both? And so um, they made the pivot to million praying moms a few years ago, but with a still the same heart of praying God's word over our children because in Hebrews, it talks about how the Bible is sharper than any double-edged sword. And then Isaiah, it talks about how God's word will go out and do what he sends it to. It won't come back to him void. And so really with those two verses of the foundation of it, um, we pray God's word back to him and pray over our families and over ourselves um, and bring those cares before him in that way. I love it. So you've been connected with them. And then tell me about your writing journey because Everyday Prayers for the School Year, is this your first book or no, it's not? This is my second book. Second um, my book, first okay. book yeah, my second, my first book was um, self-published and back in 2019, right before the pandemic hit. <laughs> and that I had been a follower of Milling Praying Moms for years. And then I started helping them in their Facebook group. But that first book was really one that kind of got me on their radar as a writer because I'd written for them back in, goodness, 2013. It was a long time ago, um, but hadn't been able to write for them again. I'd kind of been looking for opportunities, but hadn't had it. But after helping them in their Facebook group for a little bit and then publishing that book on my own, I kind of got on their radar and um, got on their podcast and met Brooke that way and became one of their writers. Um, and then... Um, Brooke just happened to say in the writer's group, hey, I have this idea for this book, but I really need someone who can speak to it from a homeschool, public school, private school point of view, teachers, all the things. Well, I was homeschooled my last three years of school. My kids were currently in public school. I had a heart for private school and I taught school myself. So it was a really good um, combination. 
And I had already started praying God's word over my school year a few years before that. So it was something I was already doing in my own life and um, could really bring that into this book. And so I um, kind of virtually raised my hand and said, hey, I'd be interested to do that. And then um, Whitaker House picked up a series of six of those books, those Everyday Prayers books. And um, we are publishing the first three right now. So Everyday Prayers for Joy with Gina was published in January. Everyday Prayers for the School Year just released this August. And then Brooke is working on another Everyday Prayers book that I think is set to come out this next January. So it's a series of journals. So if you like this one, then there's more of them out there for you or there will be soon. Oh, I love it. Um, some of my books are published with Whitaker House as well. And I just love the people oh, at Whitaker yes. House. I love They're, working with them. I know. I know the whole team. Um, so in this book, Everyday Prayers for the School Year, you talk about a certain way that you pray that's think, pray, praise. And it mm-hmm. talk to us about that way, because I think that this type of prayer, think, pray, praise, it's not just for our children, but it's for our marriages. It's for um, the people in authority over us. It's for all of our needs and concerns. So I think that this is um, a bullseye type of prayer for women in general. Think, pray, praise. Yes, and um, this particular prayer journal is written for um, children. But like I said, there's one for joy. Brooke's writing another one. So it really does work for um, all ages and stages and seasons that um, our listeners might find themselves in. So with the Think, Pray, Praise method, um, in the journals, you'll find a ver- a prayer that's based off of a key verse for that particular day. And then we have room for you to kind of think through, um, maybe if you read the ver- had time to read the verse in context Or we also um, give a few extra verses there to kind of help you see the connections throughout scripture to that idea. And so you might think, okay, this is what I'm learning from this bigger picture of scripture and context and things like this. This is why I feel like God is telling me um, about this idea or this verse or something like that. And then um, you can add additional prayers to it. So we've given you a jumping off point with the prayer straight from God's word, but you can add additional prayers to that, that God brings to your heart. Um, Even just this morning, I was um, journaling through day 16 about um, how God often calls us to um, not do more, but to go deeper in a few things. And so as I read those chapters and verses, um, I thought, okay, I feel like God is saying I need to make this decision, even though it doesn't quite make sense. So I wrote that in there and then kind of say, hey, God, please give me wisdom here because I feel being pulled this direction, but I'm not sure. And um, and so and I am want to kind of pour into my own kids lives and help them to see, okay, they don't need to be in 100 million things. But um, being faithful in a few is also good. Um, They don't need to feel like they need to keep all the plates spinning. And so kind of praying over those ideas and then the praise section really brings us back to God because oftentimes we have all this anxiety and worry and stress, but praise really helps us to focus on these are the good things I see him doing now. Mm. These are the prayers I've seen him answer. And so you can remind yourself and remind your heart, God has been faithful in the past. He will be faithful in the future. I just, this is where I think he's leading me. These are the prayers I'm offering to him today. And now I'm praising him and recentering my heart on what he's done in the past so I can have hope for what's coming up in the future. Love it. One, one of the topics in the book is about um, 
the importance of choosing good friends and what that builds in all of our lives. Wise friends, I think is what you call it. And again, this is a universal topic that whether you're a mom with little people or grown women, wise Mm. friends. So let's talk about that for a minute and how you approach that in your book. Why is choosing wise friends important and how do you teach that to your children? Well, in the last few years, as um, my kids have been approaching the teen years, because I have a son that turns 13 in December, and so we're right on the cusp of that. Um, As all of our moms and listeners are concerned with, I call it getting our kids from 10 to 20 and launching them well. And I don't mean with a great job, though I am a college professor, so a good education is important to me, but really I want to see them faithful Christians. I want to see them launch well from 10 to 20 as a faithful, God-fearing men is my main goal. And so I started talking to my mom mentors. I read books and things like that. And the more I spoke to them and the more I even asked moms who had children who had struggled and children who had not struggled, I said, what was the difference? How did some of your kids go so, are such godly, God-fearing men and women and others of them just seem to have gone off the rails? And the answer I heard again and again was their friendships. Mm. During those critical 10 years, it was their friendships that made the most difference. And so in our own family life, um, we made the hard decision to leave a smaller church where um, we had good friendships. It was like a close family, but there just weren't very many kids there. And there were none going to school with our kids. And we moved to a bigger church for this season of life because the um, youth group was much larger and um, they had a lot more friends. And so now my kids have friends that they're in band with and they go to church with and they go to school with. And um, I can meet with these moms and we kind of swap stories and kind of say, okay, what's going on with your kid here? My kid's coming home and saying this, what's your kid saying? But um, I wanted to very intentionally surround them with good friends. Now, that's not always possible. In my own life, um, my mom and I talk about now, she had no idea the kind of friendships I had in middle school and stuff. But I know it was her faithful prayers that brought me through, even though my friends weren't strong Christians. We didn't have the option of going to a bigger church. My dad was a preacher at a small church. That was not an option for us. But God still saved me from some friendships and helped me grow despite them. And he also gave me good friendships as I grew older and then went off and chose a Christian college to attend and things like that. But sometimes we have to be really intentional. And I've had some of what I call my mom mentors being really intentional of pulling them out of schooling situations that were unhealthy um, by intentionally redirecting their friendships when they saw their kids going off the rails and making poor choices. But I'm not going to say it's easy, but I am going to say it's necessary to be really intentional about our kids' friendships. And it's even that much harder in today's age with all the social media and all the things. But um, as some parents say, we often feel like zero to 10, they really need me. They can't live without me. I can kind of start checking out and letting go in 10 to 20. And though they may not need us for their physical needs as much, they need us still fully in the game for those emotional and those conversations and to help them make good intentional decisions for their heart space. 
That is so true, Tara. When I was a young mom, I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and I was spending time with my mentor mom, whose kids were older teenagers. And I noticed that every night she went into their room, sat on their bed, and listened to them for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour. And she said to me, as I observed her, she said, if you do it right, the teenage years take more time than the toddler years do. And I thought, oh my goodness, how can that be? But it's true. So Mm -hmm. I love your concept of the time, the intentional time it takes as a mom during these years. One of the things that I, I love that you talk about in your book, Everyday Prayers for the School Year, is diligence. You know, Tara, we live in a time in history when diligence is not as honored as it used to be. I mean, you know, kids are diligent about video games and, you know, watching Netflix, but true diligence, this is a character trait that moms really need to to put front and center in the heartbeat of their family. Talk to us about diligence. All right. As a um, teacher, of course, I would like my kids to make good grades and things like that. But more important than always making straight A's to me is being diligent and showing up to do the work. Because quite honestly, they won't make straight A's all the time. You can't be the best at everything without um, driving yourself crazy. And so um, what I really encourage my sons to do is just show up and do the work and do their best. And that's showing up a little bit each day. Um, even as I'm training my kids to um, now that, to start doing homework, because we're in a school system that doesn't assign a lot of homework in elementary and the early, what they call intermediate fifth and sixth grade, they really start more in late sixth grade and seventh grade. So my kids are learning, okay, spend 15, 20 minutes a night on this to co- consistently show up over time instead of waiting to the last minute and rushing till three in the morning to get something done. I'm even doing the same with my college students. Um, B.J. Hoff wrote this wonderful book called Tiny Habits. And so um, I really break that down with my college students because I get them into my classrooms and I'm an online teacher. So a lot of them don't know how to show up online and be diligent. And really for online classes, it takes showing up little bit over time to do it well. And so I go through this tiny habits method of reminding them to show up a little bit each day instead of trying to rush and do it when it's late and you're getting ready to fail the course. And that's something we want to instill in our kids. Um, It starts with prayer, praying for their hearts, praying for ideas to help them. Because like you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, um, we're running in 500 million directions nowadays. Our kids are so incredibly busy um, with after-school activities and before-school activities. But encouraging them to just do 15 or 20 minutes of homework, especially as they're littler and can build up that endurance, um, will help them more over the long run than them freaking out and trying to stay up till three in the morning to write a paper that they forgot about. And we can kind of instill that in them when they're young and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth grade and slowly take off the training wheels as they get over older. So when they get to college and get jobs, they know how to be diligent a little bit over time with this elephant in front of them instead of trying to eat the whole elephant in a night. Right, right. <laughs> 
We'll get back to my conversation with Tara in just a minute, but I always like to tell you what's going on in Carol McLeod Ministries so you can understand how far our reach is and some of the things that we're doing to encourage a generation of women. Listen, if you enjoy a good devotional to enhance your daily quiet time, I'd like to invite you to buy a copy of my newest devotional, at home in your heart. It's a 60-day devotional that was written to invite you into the sacred place of fellowship with Jesus Christ. This devotional not only goes to the heart of Christ, but it also goes to your heart and helps you clean up those dusty corners and rearrange outdated habits and even pleasures. At Home in Your Heart is a wonderful gift idea. You can purchase your copy of this devotional at Home in Your Heart on my website, which is carolmccloudministries.com, on Amazon, CBD, or really wherever books are sold. Starting on January 16th, 2023, because you know, the new year is just around the corner. I'll be spending Monday nights with women from across the country as we study the Word of God together on Zoom. That's right, on Zoom. We'll join on Zoom and we'll dig deeply into the book of Acts from the New Testament. I've titled this Bible study, To Be Continued, because the book of Acts is an action thriller of the New Testament. It's exciting, miraculous, dangerous, and filled with real-life adventure stories that actually happened. The most interesting aspect of the book of Acts is that there's no historical end to it. It just sort of drops off at the end. It ends with loose ends and with no conclusion. The book of Acts is open-ended for one reason, and for one reason alone. It's still happening all over the world today. Jesus is still changing lives through the power of His Holy Spirit, and He invites you to write the ending to the book of Acts. Registration for this Bible study is $45. Your registration includes weekly notes, weekly devotions, and eight live Zoom meetings. If you're unable to watch on Monday evenings, you can actually watch anytime throughout the week. The Word of God is able to change us in a way that nothing else can. So as you look at your New Year's resolutions, I hope that you resolve to join a Bible study. And I'd like to invite you to join mine to be continued. You can register for this Bible study on my website, which is carolmccloudministries.com. But now let's get back to my conversation with Tara Cole. You know, to me, one of the things I love about your book is that you, you've tried to embrace moms and students who are being homeschooled, private school, Christian school, or public school, that your message fits all of those situations. And I know so many moms today, Tara, who are dealing with bullying um, in the neighborhood, on the school bus, in school, at church. It is running rampant the way kids treat one another. Mm -hmm. How are you dealing with that with your boys? And, and does the book address that issue? 
It does. It addresses it from um, the standpoint of being bullied. Both my son and I have struggled with that over the years. And then recently, I wrote an article for Million Praying Moms. Um, you can find it on their blog about what if your child is the bully? And mm. so um, we address it from all those different angles. And of course, it starts with prayer. Because whether your child is the bully or whether they're being bullied, um, first and foremost, we need to help them understand who their identity is in Christ. Because when they are the bully, it's often coming from a place of hurt. They've been hurt and they want to make someone else be hurt too. Very rarely is a kid just flat out mean. They might be ornery, but rarely are they just flat out mean for no apparent reason. When our kids are being bullied, they need to realize that what that bully says about them, even though words cut deep, that sticks and stones thing is so not true. Um, <laughs> words cut so deep. And um, they need to understand that God's love goes deeper, that their identity is completely founded in who God says about them and not what these other kids are saying about them. And I wish I could tell you that's really easy, but it takes years of parents and others pouring into them that message because I was bullied in fifth and sixth grade relentlessly before bullying was a buzzword. And it really did. It changed my personality from being vibrant and outgoing to really being an introvert and sticking to myself. And it probably took a decade for me to find myself again in that because it the words cut deep. This wasn't even physical bullying. This was just relentless picking and um, being mean and name calling and all that stuff. And I go into detail about that in the book. With my son, um, his since he was a boy, it was more physical bullying. And um, I go into, that's the first story I tell in the book is about his instance with that. And covering it in prayer in his instance, um, I was able to step in and then God told me to wait on Wednesday. And I still have no idea why he told me to wait. I have no idea what he was doing on Wednesday when he didn't want me to mama bear in there. But he just told me to kind of wait. And then when I talked to principal on Thursday, she had that kid out of his class by Friday. And all my friends said, that's crazy. That should have never happened. I've had other friends who have had to remove their kids from school because mm -hmm. um, the bullying would not stop. Um, I've had others who um, have had to take their kids to counseling because of the bullying that was involved. But um, it starts with prayer. What do we, you need to do in your situation? Is this a situation where you need to equip your child to go in and talk to the teacher themselves? Do you need to get involved in the situation and go talk to the teacher and principal? Or is it a situation where you need to completely remove them, um, move them to a different school, um, keep them away from that kid in the neighborhood? I've had friends switch churches over it. Um, but it starts with asking God, what is his will for your family in this season of your life? And then it comes with the courage to do that thing. Because sometimes you're like, well, it'll get better or minimize it. But bullying cuts deep. Um, and it can take years to work through that. And so if your child's being bullied, I would encourage you to pray and then take action on wherever God's leading you in that particular instance. Yeah, so good. So good. Pray, take action. That's exactly right, Tara. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum of parenting, from bullying to kindness. Um, so 
we have three boys, Tara, mm-hmm. my husband and I, and then we had two little girls after that. And I would always tell my little girls, is it more important to be pretty or to be kind? Because we live in such a looks-driven culture, mm-hmm. and I didn't want them to be driven by that. I wanted my daughters and my sons to know the strength of being kind. So what are some of the ways that you're instigating that in your home? And what does the devotional say about kindness in the home? Well, first, um, about kindness and the other fruits of the Spirit, a lot of times we try to bootstrap that. We try to do it in and of ourselves. Even as adults, we try to do it in and of ourselves. Whereas um, those things are really a work of the Spirit in our lives. We cannot Mm. do it ourselves. So when we lean into the Spirit and to what He's growing in us, then we have the power to be kind in hard situations. So for me, since my kids are younger, um, I really pray that they will learn to be kind to each other. Um, We are working on enforcing that in different ways. Um, For example, even this morning, I was like, how about you revise your tone on that? Because they can be right with the wrong tone. And so um, I heard that from someone recently. I was like, that is brilliant. But um, how about you revise your tone on that? Or um, what all of our moms have said, if you have nothing nice to say, say nothing. But one way I um, have done it, and when I remember to do it, it works well, is we had a kindness jar where um, I started out, I kind of tricked them because I started out the first time we did the kindness jar of um, having them write down um, different ways their brother could be kind to them when they were unkind. And so being boys, they put in ridiculous stuff Um, like take, deal with my smelly socks and really ridiculous stuff. And um, so then I was like, after we went through that exercise, I told them, okay, these are the things you're going to do for your brother when you're mean to them. And then they're like, oh no. And really they should (laughs) have written down (laughs) <laughs> better things. Um, and so we did that for a month or two. But then um, afterwards, we redid it. And um, since different people have different love languages, I had them make, we made a list of what seemed like kindness to them. How did they feel loved? And so playing video games together, someone doing their chores or doing their laundry or writing a note or making up a song, whatever felt like kindness to them. And those things were the things we put in the jar. So when I remember to use the kindness jar instead of saying, stop hitting your brother, stop hitting your brother, be kind to your brothers, be kind to your brother, um, and have them pull from the kindness jar when they've been unkind, because I tell them, looks like you need more practice. When I remember to do that consistently, it really helps in our family. So, um, because I've heard from, especially our karate um, instructors, that your kids do what you reward them for. So Mm. I've tried to vary, I've tried to, the season I'm not being, I'm not doing very well this fall um, as we start up all the things. But when I try to intentionally enforce kindness by having them practice being kind when they're struggling, instead of saying you lose your Nintendo or you have to go to your room, but having them practice kindness, it really does help. Often they are laughing and smiling with each other afterwards and it lasts at least a few hours. Whereas we all know when we tell them to stop hitting each other, that lasts maybe five minutes until you left the room. So um, having them practice that intentionally and showing them what it looks like. Because sometimes they just simply may not know how to be kind in that situation. When their brother, somebody has wronged them, they may not have an idea for how to be kind there or how to make it right. So we think they might, but um, it's important to remember to keep instructing them even when they get a little bit older. 
Yeah. And I like the idea of um, giving them ideas of how to be kind because they're children. They're, mm-hmm. they're just learning. And so as we model it, and give them ideas of this is what kindness looks like. It's very helpful. Um, so I want to go back to you for a minute, Tara, because I didn't realize it till I read your bio, but you have struggled with chronic fatigue s- syndrome. Um, so how has that impacted you as a wife, as a mom? What type of lessons have you learned from walking that journey? Well, I'll say I'm still very much in the middle of it. I was even okay. telling um, some of my mom mentors last night, I slide between wanting to go to all the doctors and figure this thing out and get rid of it versus um, surrendering and being like, okay, this is where I am. And so some days I'm at peace and some days I'm a three-year-old still throwing a fit on the floor. Um, But as I am dealing with that, that's really where the heart behind chapter 16 came from is I'm learning less is more like we always hear Mm -hmm. that, um, Spending all the plates and all the good things um, is not always where God wants us. It's often Mm -hmm. not where he wants us, even though those things are good. Just this morning, I had said yes to a good thing yesterday, a very good thing. But as I prayed through that chapter, and this was the prayer I mentioned earlier in this episode, I just felt the spirit telling me, that's not where I want you. And I was like, but God, this thing is very, very good. And he was like, that's just not where I want you right now. And so um, it has taught me to really scale back, to go deep in a few things and really hyper focus on what's most important, rather than trying to do all the things. Um, Because I used to be highly involved in my community and church and in the schools and I teach and I write and I have three boys and, 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 and. But with this chronic fatigue, it's really made me sit down and say, what are my most important goals in this season? So um, with teaching, I was able, my, I talked to my school and they were able to let me go fully online, which God mm-hmm. had been preparing me for, for years because I've been teaching online um, since my son was born. Because when he was born, staying home with him was a priority. And so I had asked them as I was pregnant, hey, can I start teaching online? And that was back in the days when online was barely a thing. And um, so God had been preparing me for that. So moving online was not the big leap. It might have been for someone else because I've been doing it and teaching others how to do it for years. Um, So that was one way I was hyper-focused was instead of trying to drive 35 minutes to school and teach in person, I just just couldn't. Um, I love, love, love my students, but it wore me out. I wanted to take a nap. Um, And so I went to Just Online. With all my ministry opportunities, I shrunk them to just being an author and a podcaster and hyper-focusing on helping moms abide in Christ. And so my first book was called Abide, 40 Ways to Focus on Jesus Daily, but really hyper-focusing there instead of trying to do all the things. Um, Author and podcasting this one message. With my children, it's really intentionally taking time with them. And this was a surprise thing because I really struggled with being available for them. But I find that when I'm sitting down because I'm so tired that I just can't keep going, it's like they have time to catch me now and sit down and tell me what's on their hearts because I they're no longer chasing after me. I'm in my chair, I'm sitting there um, sipping tea or reading a book or something while I recharge and they can actually catch me and um, spend time with me that way. 
I'm really intentional about how I block my time. So I have specific blocks throughout the day instead of trying to multitask a hundred things because my brain just won't anymore. And really, um, it's taught me to, like I mentioned earlier, my identity in Christ and to focus on that. Because when we um, come up on these illnesses that completely change who we are, and we go from being this one person and personality that people can count on to being, not that I can't be counted on, but I'm, it's honestly a crapshoot how I'm going to feel from one day to the next. And so I can't volunteer to be in children's worship because I don't know if I'm going to wake up with a migraine on Sunday and don't want to be there and be present. And so it's really shifted from, okay, my identity is in Christ. If I need to take a nap today, Jesus loves me just as much as if I was sitting across from someone over coffee and ministering to them in that way, um, or spending time with three and four-year-olds or leading this class. He loves me just as much here as he does there. It's also made me lean into the spirit more because quite honestly, um, I have like four or five meetings today, um, three more after this one. And I was so tired driving my kids to school this morning. And so I was like, all right, God, you have to have this, these conversations, these meetings. I'm going to show up and get myself to the chair, but you're going to guide the conversation because I don't have it. I am so tired that you do your thing. Kind of like um, Toby Mac's song, you steal the show. I'm going to be present where you led me today and you take it from there. So it's really taught me to lean into his spirit for the strength of the places he does tell me to show up and really letting go of the need and the um, guilt and shame associated with not showing up in all the places, but really asking him, where do you want me? And um, being intentional about listening. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So Terry, you know, the name of my podcast is Significant Women. So I always like to know before we close, what significant women have impacted your life? Well-known or not? Bible, historical, a childhood friend, what women have impacted your life? Well, as I mentioned earlier, my mom has really impacted my life. And her example, um, showing up and teaching us that even though she didn't have all the answers, she knew the one who did, um, really impacted my life. Also, my grandmother, um, she just showed up and loved us where we were. And so we are still really close to this day. Um, I call her once a week at least, and um, we have a really strong relationship. But it's because she, when I was little, she looked at me, she asked the questions, and she's always really cared about and poured into me. Mm. Um, and I've also sought out significant women, meaning that um, I mentioned my mom mentors. And so you might have some listeners saying, I would love that in my life, but where do I find such people? The way I do it is I look at women who are ahead of me on the journey um, and have kids who are like I want my kids to be one day. They're not perfect. No kids are perfect. But I can see these are the way I would like my kids to act and be in, when they're those ages. And I simply ask. Um, some of those friendships have kind of gone away over time, but others of them have really stuck. I've never had any woman say, no, I don't want to do that. But um, it's just really been this um, organic, I know that word's overused in our society today, but um, relationship where I might send out prayer requests to them each week. We might meet over coffee or I say, hey, can I take you out for coffee and ask you about this? Or I have a mom mentor who moved away four years ago and I'll still say, hey, I have a boy mom question and just shoot off a text to her or something. 
But I really have intentionally looked for those women in church or in other places that have children like I want mine to be and simply just asked, even though I didn't know them very well. And that was really scary, but it has been so worth it to step mm-hmm. out my zone and do that. Yes, for sure. Well, I always like to close with a little section I call my favorite things. So I'm just going to shoot some quick questions at you, Tara. If you want to pass, just say pass. But just we want to know a few of your favorite things. Okay. Favorite book you've ever read other than the Bible. Oh, goodness. Right. That is hard. Um, If you're on YouTube, you can see I have 100 books behind me. (laughs) Um, Quite literally, I will go with my um, current favorite. Okay. And this one is one I teach a lot, um, but that Tiny Habits book I mentioned, Mm -hmm. that has been life-changing for our family and my students. And every time I sit down in ministry or in my teaching job, I teach that first. So who's Um, the author again, Tiny Habits? BJ BJ Fogg, F-O-G-G. Okay, it's great, not a Christian based book, uh-huh. but it is very, very good for helping you develop those tiny habits in your life. Okay, so what's currently what's your favorite worship song? That song that you just start crying as the music starts playing, it goes straight to your heart. Okay, this CD has been mine for probably four or five years, but Christy Knuckles has a um, rest CD. It's called Be Held, um, but I like the instrumental mm-hmm. one. And um, if I said her name, she would start playing my instrumental playlist. But um, that entire um, soundtrack called Be Held Instrumental by Christy Knuckles is my go-to peaceful worship. I play it when I'm stressed. I play it when I'm doing yoga. I play it all the time. I Um, can't wait. It's my absolute favorite. I'm going to play it as soon as we get off here. Okay, favorite movie? Oh, goodness. Um... That is so hard. My favorite childhood movie was Beauty and the Beast, the original Mm -hmm. Disney Mm -hmm. Beauty and the Beast, because I want a library like her one day. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You and me both, sister. Uh, Favorite dessert. Do you eat dessert? I eat chocolate. I've never been a big dessert person. Okay. Okay. So I love myself some good, like, Amish chocolate. I just went to Amish country and visited my grandmother this um, summer. And so Amish country chocolate or Hawaiian chocolate. Mm. I just love good chocolate. Good chocolate. You know, <laughs> yes. favorite way to rejuvenate. This is going to be surprising, but okay. um, I really have started to love yoga. And okay. um, the reason being is when you have chronic fatigue, oftentimes you wake up with all the stiffness and stuff. And so when you wake up not feeling well, you're, you might want to just sit in a chair and do nothing, but yoga with Adrian on YouTube, it's a free YouTube channel, helps me get my body going. And a lot of times it will get out the stiffness and the aches and I don't need to use painkiller for it. And the reason that's important to me is because using painkiller for a headache once a month or a few times a year, no big deal. But as often as I hurt, I can't have that much painkiller in my body. It will ruin other stuff. And so I really love relaxing with yoga. I know there's all these good scientific reasons for it, but it really helps with all the things. And Yoga with Adrian, that free YouTube channel is my go-to. 
I have another friend who says the same thing. So I need to do it. Thank you for the recommendation. But Tara, before we go, would you pray for us? Would you pray for the listeners, especially the moms who are trying to figure it all out? Oh, sure. I'd be happy to. Okay, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity for um, Carol and I to um, speak this morning. And um, thank you for the opportunity to um, pour into these women that you have brought across our path today. I just ask um, that you will be with them, that um, over and over again in your word, you say, I will seek me and I will And so I just ask that in our lives today, wherever we find ourselves, those difficult situations we find ourselves in, that you will turn our hearts to you, that you will help us remember you want our hearts and not our hustle, and that you will just help us to seek your face and trust you with the results. That um, whether it is a wayward child, a different difficult situation in our marriage, whether it is finances, um, trauma that we're processing, illness, all those things and all those relationships, I just pray that you will um, give us time today, that you will show us how we already have time in our day for you, and that you will just um, comfort our hearts, bring up those passages, bring up those songs that help these women feel seen and feel loved and that you will just help them to surrender these situations to you and trust you with the results to believe it when you say i will thank you so much for these women and their hearts for you in jesus name amen amen thank you so much tara i loved getting to talk to you today thank you for having me carol it was so good to talk to you of course Well, thank you for joining me on the Significant Women podcast this week. I hope that you'll share this episode with some of your friends, um, maybe on social media, maybe through email. And I'd also like to invite you to leave a review on the hosting platform on which you've listened to this podcast. Just a few words of encouragement means the world to us. My friend, there's one reason why you're significant. It's not because of your accomplishments or because of your income, but it's because of the one who created you. He created you to partner with him in living a significant life. You know, as I re-listened to my conversation with Tara, this is the scripture that came to my mind. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. My friend, I hope that you'll join me next week on the Significant Women podcast.